Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new podcast of the Security Distillery. My name is Megan, and I would say today's podcast is quite unique, as I'm currently at the Computer Privacy and Data Protection Conference, also called CPDP in short, in Brussels. And today's podcast will explore the topic of data protection from, I would say, a rather recognizable point of view, as everybody watches movies, right? So we will explore the role of movies in the social construction of data protection by talking with experts in the field, but also with artists. Before we get into this, let me give you a small introduction into the topic. Movie making is a powerful tool and has been used as such for many purposes, both to entertain or, for example, to spread propaganda. Movies can play a big role in shaping people's perceptions on important topics and shine light on topics that otherwise people would not think much about, such as the importance of data protection. Therefore, movies can have positive effects as they can expand our knowledge. And in the case of movies concerning data protection, this can mean that we have a better insight about the ways personal data can be misused so we can better protect ourselves. However, movies, of course, can also create a misperception of reality or can be used purposely to shape or change people's opinions. Overall, a good movie can entertain, educate, and inspire the viewer in many ways. The artist that I spoke to at the CPDP conference, Effian Amir, agreed that movies are a powerful force, as this visual world of creation influences how people perceive the world, as they create an imagination and propose a vision of reality. Additionally, I asked experts in the field of data protection on their views on the influence of movies on the social perception of data protection and what they think might be the consequences of this. First, you will hear Jan Ellermann, who is a senior specialist in Europol's data protection function. He has the following views. Well, for sure, I think that also culture and movies can play a very important uh, role here. So I'm thinking of something like Black Mirror, I think, has a very good reputation to be very realistic. Or uh, there's a book which I found very inspiring, which is uh, Blackout from uh, Mark Ellsberg, which has now also made it to the screen, let's say, in the sense that there's a TV series about it now. And in the end, that's data protection awareness raising if it's uh, well done. Of, of course, it's, if it's not well researched and you give the wrong image, then uh, of course there are risks and dangers. So for instance, if you look at um, law enforcement on many occasions, I'm, I'm a great fan of Tatort, for instance, which is probably the most popular uh, TV series dealing with uh, crime in Germany. And whenever it's about data protection in this particular context, the, let's say, theme will be that data protection makes law enforcement impossible and uh, it's, it's a big burden and all of that. And while, of course, sometimes uh, things might not be as easy as we would wish for, uh, I believe that uh, the large majority of colleagues working in law enforcement has very well understood that uh, data protection is something we can be proud of. It's uh, an integral part of our mission to enhance an area of freedom, security and justice. And in that sense, the series can be very good to raise awareness, but can of course then consequently also be bad if they convey uh, the wrong messages. Yeah. I also asked Pratam, a master student from Lani University, on his views. This is what he said. Oh no, definitely. I do agree that uh, movies do have the ability to, if not completely shape, then significantly influence perception. I mean, um, land of Bollywood right here. Uh, so, uh, I mean, yeah, there is there is uh, definitely potential. 
perceptions will definitely be influenced uh, strongly or weakly is up to the viewer um and when we talk about movies that um try to handle such topics try to deal with such topics while they do not have the capacity to have as much nuance as we would like as informed individuals about this so again over here we deal with another interest which is media and entertainment what are their interests how what are how do their commercial interests align uh, are they doing it with uh, a conscientious um understanding of the subject matter or it's just uh, a hot story that they wanted to turn into a profit as soon as possible lastly you will hear from stefan filipovic a data privacy specialist who wanted to be a director when he was younger he said this Uh I definitely think they're useful so talking about documentaries I think it's great they're spreading awareness I remember I was watching uh, that Snowden uh, documentaries 8 years ago on a movie festival in Belgrade Serbia um it was a huge cinema the second biggest cinema uh, um in Europe uh and there was only like 100 people in the cinema with like almost 3000 seats um but they definitely you know i can say they learned a lot but it definitely you know put me in the right mindset to start maybe to think about you know privacy with like different lenses mm-hmm. you know thinking about not only about you know right to privacy as affects me as stefan you know but everyone's right to privacy is infringed in a way you know so not to be so like looking at myself as an individual but looking at the whole site you know and i think maybe that was one of the things why i got interested because like okay what's happening you know why you know in us has such laws you know what's the reason you know why didn't how they ended up there you know and so yeah i i think it's a great topic from this we can safely say that there is a consensus on the power that movies have on social perceptions also about data protection in this podcast we will also talk about the trends that we can detect in movies concerning data protection that displays a change in who is depicted as the bad guy as at first it was rather the state and state institutions such as intelligence agencies that were depicted as misuses of data Well nowadays it is rather big tech companies or social media companies that are illustrated as the enemy. So movies that depict the state and state institutions as the bad guys are for example the movie Enemy of the State which is from 1998 and it shows how Bobby which is played by Will Smith is chased down by the NSA for accidentally running across a videotape that gives more insight into who killed a man who tried to stop the NSA and US Congress from implementing a new piece of counterterrorism legislation that would expand the surveillance powers of intelligence agencies over individuals. Also for example, the movie Snowden depicts the time around the 2000 and shows how the NSA lied about the extent to which the US surveilled its citizens and of course depicted how Snowden leaked this secret NSA information. The last movie I would like to talk with you about representing the state as a misuser of data is The Fifth Estate. It's from 2013 and it's about the founding of WikiLeaks, which revealed state secrets and corporate crimes. On the other hand, the more recent movies rather focus on the power of big technology and social media companies and how they misuse the data of their users. So for example, the movie The Circle with Tom Hanks and Emma Watson follows this social media company called The Circle and its intention to have the whole world under mass surveillance to prevent crimes. 
Also, the new movie Don't Look Up with Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Meryl Streep features a mobile company called Bash Cellular that represents technological process but combined with corporate greed and an unethical involvement in governmental decision making. Both movies are set to depict real-life tech companies and their large-scale implications concerning the misuse of customer data. These are just two movies, but there are many more. There are also documentaries, such as the popular Netflix documentary The Social Dilemma of 2020, which tackles the role of tech and social media companies in the spread of conspiracy theories, teenage mental health issues, rampant misinformation, and political polarization. This trend that we can detect from state and state institutions to rather private companies who are depicted as the bad guys in movies is something that we will discuss with experts that are walking around at the CPDP conference. First of all, I would like to introduce you to Dr. Kafara, who is an expert on competition law and joined a panel at CPDP on the power of democracies to keep private companies in check. These are her insights. Do you think this change is justified? Uh, we live in a privacy crisis, which is brought about by toxic business models or some of these giants. Not every com company that is called a big tech does exactly the same. You know, you have different business models. You have Adfunded, which is really the source of the problem, Google and Facebook. Then you have e-commerce, which is Amazon. But they're doing quite a lot of advertising. Then you have Apple, which is funded by devices, they sell phones, although they are pivoting into advertising. Then you have uh, Microsoft, which is a bit of a platform. Each of the business model is different. Where data is used for targeted advertising, the problem is that it is used badly in ways that are not helpful to citizens, uh, that abuses the trust of citizens, and in the worst uh, sort of case, leads to um, certainly expropriation of our rights as citizens. So to the extent that these kind of things are picked up in movies, that's a good thing, because they're true. Mr. Elliman also had some interesting insights on the different roles played by states and private companies. Naja, for me it's of course a relief if, let's say, not only state actors serve as the bad guys in privacy-related uh, uh, plots and, and stories. Um, but uh, more seriously, yes, I think that is very well uh, justified because, I mean, you may trust us or you may not trust us, but our uh, what, is, what is driving us as law enforcement, I can tell you, is in our case, in Europol's case, to make Europe a safer place. And you can buy that or you can't. Okay, uh, we can talk about it for a very long time, but there's a huge difference as to compare to private uh, players, companies, because for companies, what ultimately counts is always one thing, and that is revenue, that is money. It's all about the money. And in that sense, I do think it makes, uh, it is important to also uh, take a closer look at how these uh, mechanisms actually work. So if you take the example of uh, any kind of social media uh, providers, ultimately for them, it is not about providing to you the right information or information which may help our democracy to flourish or any of that. For them, the only factor that counts is basically how long they make you stick to the screen. 
And this is where it, where it becomes very relevant that um, lies, for instance, are spreading. There, there is some research about that, but lies tend to spread six times faster than the truth, maybe because sometimes they are more exciting. Or um, another example which I found very, very illustrative in this context is it, it was Joe Toscano. So that's one of the guys who features in the social dilemma. And I had to talk with him uh, about social media. And he came up with a comparison which I found very striking. And he said, you know, you have to picture the internet or social media a bit like a highway. And if you see it as a highway, what happens on social media is there's an accident and on the highway and then people slow down and they look at it because they want to see the accident and the victims and it's just in our human nature you almost can't avoid it you will do that mm. but the logic applied then by social media is to say ah they slow down and they stick to that content hence there needs to be much more accidents on the on the highways because then everybody will look at it for longer and that, to my opinion, is an example which kind of, at least to me, illustrates quite nicely, okay, there's maybe something wrong if you just go for the money. Mr. Filipovic had a similar opinion. I mean, definitely need to see, you know, look at the international landscape because just 15 years ago, like, you know, 20 years ago, I don't think that private companies had so much power. You know, and it's cliche to say, but like data and especially personal data, it's kind of new oil, just like a new oil that will never run out, you know. Um, and you definitely see that a lot of all those like, you know, uh, tech companies have a lot of power just because they have so much data. When you have a lot of data, you have a lot of power, I mean, there is a lot of, you know, uh, uh, ways to abuse that power. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you actually, you know, put some, you know, reasonable limits to it, how you control that? Um, so that's definitely, I think it should be, yes, governments, but now you have, I mean, we all use Chrome, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we all use uh, Gmail, you know, I mean, there is a, and they have a lot of data on us. Um. I also talked to Niels Indahl, the data protection officer of the Church of Norway, who connected the topic to human rights, which is very important. Well, we were discussing earlier the James Bond movies. I think they reflect the societal mood in a sense. You had you have Blofeld, who is this uh, international mafia or uh, this uh, hidden group of people that want to do bad in the world. And then it's the South Africans in one film, and then it's the as the Soviet Union and then it's China and now it's big business. So in a sense, I suppose the, these films reflect the spirit of the times uh, when it comes to who is the bad guy. So in that sense, I suppose they're a good measure of um, who is the enemy. Today in one of the sessions, uh, somebody drew my attention to uh, one of the recitals <laughs> that uh, I'd read uh, a while ago, but I, I hadn't thought about it. It says, uh, it's recital four of the GDPR. It says, the processing of personal data should be designed to serve mankind. The right to the protection of personal data is not an absolute right. It must be considered in relation to its function in society and be balanced, ag balanced against other fundamental rights. And these rights uh, are, of course, the Lisbon Treaty, and the Charter on Fundamental Rights. Mm -hmm. And so in my job mm, as a DPO of a church, the, the right to pursue religion is a fundamental right and must be weighed against the right to data protection. And so 
sometimes maybe we lose the perspective that it is allowed to process personal data throughout all of the European economic area. That's why the, one of the reasons why the GDPR was created, but it has to be lawful and open. And so uh, this balance, I think, is, is interesting, and um, I think it's important also not to lose sight of the fact that it is, uh, it is possible to process personal data to a large extent if it's done legal. Breton challenged us by looking at it from a different perspective. Have a listen. I do not believe that uh, vilifying any one party uh, would be entirely fair considering each party. Let's say there are three parties here for the sake of a simple uh, conversation. There's three parties. There's a the consumer, there's uh, the government, and there's the private party, which in this case would be the tech giant, right? Um, each one of those have um, different interests that often collide with each other and have to be reconciled in a manner that is harmonious. Um, so, for example, if you blame uh, Meta uh, for um, quote-unquote stealing data or quote-unquote um, basically owning the soul of a consumer, there is also a little bit of blame to be put on the consumer for not being um, adept enough or not being aware enough, or even if they are aware, not taking the effort that is required to have a properly informed decision. There's also some blame to be put on the regulator insofar as um, maybe the consumer would have an easier time making such a decision if the regulator created regulations that allowed them to have a simpler time by forcing or putting obligations on uh, the tech giant to act in a certain manner or to provide certain disclosures. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, in, in terms of movies, we usually look at this in a very black and white perspective. It's only, it's only when we try to analyze it um, even a layer deeper that we realize that there's a lot of nuance to this that needs to be explored, which um, I don't think would be possible in a two-and-a-half-hour format. I also talked with Mr. Elemon, Mr. Indal, and Dr. Kafara on the impact of movies depicting states and state institutions as misusers of data. Because conventionally, the misuse of data is rather attributed to totalitarian regimes, as for example depicted in the movie 1984, based on Orwell's novel that describes a state in which the government controls every aspect of its population's life. However, nowadays, this idea of Big Brother is watching you is being compared to the misuse of data by democratic regimes. This is what the experts said. I watch sometimes the, some of the UK crime series and I notice that in the, many of the latest episodes of these different series, they take for granted that you can just track people. You can just see their, their number plates and you can see who went through this and that uh, toll station and so on. Mm -hmm. It's just an assumption that the state has to have this power if the, if the bad guys are going to be caught. So in that sense, I think you can sense in these series that they don't question it. They don't have to go before a judge. They just do it. They access the data. And of course, then they catch the bad guy. So, and sometimes uh, the, the, the person is innocent that they, uh, that they monitored, but that doesn't matter because there is a greater good. And so the assumption is that what we consider basic rights uh, they don't consider basic rights at all. They consider them rights that the police can s just suspend if, they, if there is a greater good. Mm, so, yes, that also means that the state, in some cases, when balanced against the test, which is, is this reasonable, is it proportionate, that the state can provide security for 
for citizens by surveillance of train stations, for instance, that is allowed. But then it has to be weighed against these other uh, rights. Uh, before I joined Europol, I did a PhD research comparing Europol with the FBI. So that's a very long time ago. I started in 2001. But in this context, uh, I, I um, researched, basically, I um, analyzed how the FBI became big back in the days. And how they did it has a lot to do, in fact, how they influenced media and, and movie makers uh, to create an image of the G-Man. So if you haven't come across it, you need to pull that book. It's called G-Man, if I'm, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So for them, it really worked out in a way you create an image by consciously capitalizing on movie makers, drawing links to script writers and so on and so forth in order to yeah, build an agency first in the, in the movies. And then later you will one way or another uh, benefit from that in real life. I, I dare to say so we don't have that approach at, at Europol. Mm -hmm. But there are links, uh, I believe, uh, which are interesting. Well, I mean, there is a problem which, uh, with, with the use of our data, and it isn't clear-cut that it's always just the, the, the sort of tech companies or the state. I mean, yesterday the news came that somebody's suing Google in London over their use of NHS data, which they acquired through DeepMind. Now, um, the UK government was complicit in that sale of DeepMind, or the sale of... Um, data on uh, patients to Google without protections and provisions. So I think that the, the landscape is quite opaque. And I am, certainly have no illusion that democratic states or so-called democratic states use our data for all sorts of purposes. And in that sense, it's not particularly wonderful. But what I do mind is when private companies do it for profit because then there is no limiting principle. It's a data free for all. Uh, data is sold, bought, used, uh, and misused uh, incessantly. And so I think, I think that's a problem. Another aspect in data protection is the role of whistleblowers, people that reveal information about activities by private or public organizations that are deemed illegal. Movies such as Snowden and The Fifth Estate sparked this global discussion about national security and personal privacy and the role of whistleblowers. I was interested in hearing opinions on what the impact is of movies maybe romanticizing the role of whistleblowers, as they might not show all the dangers of whistleblowing. This is what the experts said. Um, so the funny thing about romanticization, um, of anything for that matter, is it encourages uh, the person being influenced to disregard negatives um, and focus on positives insofar as if we consider the Snowden example uh, to some he's a terrorist, to some he's a national hero and it's that dichotomy that appeals to the average viewer, ooh, what is, what is this dichotomy, I want to explore this, right? Um, I wouldn't, I would, I mean, I, I, I could agree that yes, uh, maybe uh, in this case movies do tend to romanticize such activities um, which I would not consider particularly responsible uh, insofar as um, while certain positives definitely exist, I mean, I would encourage whistleblowing generally, uh, but that would come with a huge caveat, which is um, know each and every ramification of what you're going to do 
before you do it i would say represent responsibility yeah represent responsibility as much as you can uh in particular the responsibility to be completely informed of what actions what what consequences uh an action such as whistleblowing could have i think that has a positive role i mean they are romanticizing but they are often not depicting you know the terror that you know whistleblowing uh, brings you know i mean and when they do they don't put emphasis so for example if i may say i, I think that edward snowden's life is ruined i think that assange's life is ruined you know at least you know uh, um from my perspective um they did a great you know thing for society but for what i know snowden lives in russia right i mean he cannot go back to us where his family is it's horrible um and that's those whistleblowers you know what are those whistleblowers that we don't know anything about you know and i'm not saying you're just whistleblowers like on the large scale you have whistleblowers you know that in companies they go and say oh, this is what's happening with like personal information or there is some maybe not even like you know some harassment um people you know people are afraid to be whistleblowers because unfortunately there is no like a legal framework which would protect those people you know at least for me and i think for people working in our environment you are aware that you take also take risks if you do that this is why uh, whistleblowers also de- deserve i think legal protection then no? mm-hmm. having said that of course there's also a regime and a legal framework which is meant to ensure uh, confidentiality and that is very important in the area i'm working if uh, so for europol for instance we are also on an obligation of uh, professional secrecy um uh, again this is where it becomes even more important than to have internal processes and and mechanisms where if you believe something is not in good order uh, that you have somebody to address and and report to overall we've heard experts talk about the role of movies in shaping people's perceptions on data protection on what they think about the shifting of the role from state and state institutions to private companies that are displayed in movies on the impact of movies depicting democratic states as misuses of data and also on the impact of the romanticization of whistleblowers I'm very sorry if in the future you can't watch movies about data protection neutrally anymore as you have all these aspects to think about. But it is important to realize the power that movies have on shaping our perceptions, especially when it is about important topics such as data protection. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and that we will see you again soon. Thank you for listening and greetings from the Security Distillery.